Welcome to Book Pile Banter. This is Amberly with Sarah and Kim, and it is our first episode of 2023. And today we're going to be discussing A Deadly Education, which also is the first book in what we are calling our Trilogy War, which for those of us, those who have not heard about this, we will be reading three separate trilogies. We are doing The Scholomance, The Locked Tomb, and The Poppy Wars. We've each selected a series. We're going to read the first book in each one then the second book and the third one. And we are going to be scoring them based off of different topics. We'll be discussing this later in the episode uh, to see which book is the best book and then which trilogy is the best trilogy from our experience reading them. So, like I said, we are starting with A Deadly Education, which is by Naomi Novik and was published in 2022 by Del Rey. Naomi has multiple books published that focus on retellings of an array of fairy tales and folklore. She was also, uh, or she also is, she's not dead. Uh, She is also a co-founder of AO3, which is Archive of Our Own. And that is an online archive for fan fiction. And she is a director for the Organization of Transformative Work, OTW, which is a nonprofit dedicated to the advancement of fan media. Uh, Before I give the plot for the story, I do want to point out that the Deadly Education did face a bit of backlash and criticism due to two key factors. Uh, The first is that there was a description of dreadlocks being more likely to experience a magical bug infestation for POC characters in the book, which upon receiving this information and feedback, Novak did have the detail removed from later printed editions and has since uh, aimed to read higher sensitivity readers for all future volumes of the series in order to avoid further harmful representation. Um, and then she has also faced criticism for writing L, who is a half Indian uh, character, even though she herself has no, well, well, L has no connection to the POC side of her family uh, since Novak herself is not Indian and therefore wasn't looking into providing that representation. Um, I don't think we'll be discussing that first fact because she has, uh, you know, done words. Um, She has done things to try and repair that criticism. The second one may come up in our discussion today just to be aware for any listeners. Finally, the plot, Galadriel L. Higgins must survive the Scholomance, where all magical teens are sent to better protect themselves against mal-creatures. However, the school still has its own dangers with a graduation hall filled with the mouths. Not everyone survives the school, and Elle is trying to do it without relying on her natural affinity towards dark and terrible magic. At the same time, Orion Lake has an uncanny ability to fight off the mal and has caused an imbalance for the entire school with the number of students that he has saved, to include Elle. Okay, now that I am done rambling... Uh, did you guys want to make any comments about anything I said, or are you good? I'm good. Okay. Sarah? I'm fine. Okay. So, Sarah, this was your pick. What are your feelings on this book? Uh, well, I like it, as one would expect, since I had picked it. I mean, I already read it. Um, it's not like I went into this not knowing what it would be about. True, true. So why do you like it? Why did you pick this one as your trilogy entry? Uh, I couldn't really think of any other trilogies at the time. (laughs) And you nixed the only other one I could think of because it was also problematic to some people on TikTok. Um, (laughs) Which which series is that? The Carry On. 
Oh, not that that oh. series was necessarily problematic, but Rainbow Rowell was problematic, which. Okay. Um, I'm over it, man. I'm over these people. But <laughs> Sarah's feeling feisty. <laughs> I'm feeling low energy, but also just so over that whole purity policing shit. I just cannot deal with it. But that's not so, the point here. Yeah, which which to clarify, reason why I kind of like was like, I don't know about that series is that author hasn't been known to do anything to address the criticism that Raven Ray, Rainbow Rowell has received. While as Novak, I know, had done something to show that she is taking in the information and trying to address it and fix it for people or trying to not be as harmful as she could have been potentially, um, which is why I was like, okay, we can move forward with this series. Because I, I do want to be mindful of, you know, authors that are harmful. I don't know. I don't know how to defend why I allowed this one and not the other one. <laughs> Any thoughts, Kim? Any any comments on this? Um, no, I'm kind of with Sarah. I'm kind of done with the, um, as you put it, purity police. I like that phrase. Uh, and and I can understand when it's a um, when the author does something that's just blatantly, almost just blatantly racist. And I don't think anything that this author was doing was racist although so the the thing you said that was in the book was not in my version of the book i didn't yeah. read anything that came yeah, even close here. to that yeah um i have an older version it is in my my copy okay the um, only thing that mine talked about was that long hair was a liability in general which yeah it used so it used to include there was a passage that talked about the fact that um if one had dreadlocks, because dreadlocks were difficult to upkeep in this kind of situation, it was more prone to a bug infestation, a magical bug infestation getting into the dreadlocks. Um, and I can definitely understand when I had read it, I was like, what? I could understand I, the intent behind it was to talk about the fact that dreadlocks do have to have a very particular upkeep to them um, in order for them to be good, healthy dreadlocks. But... I also can understand, like, that's not necessary. That's very much talking about a specific hairstyle. And you're not saying that everyone is prone to getting, like, say, lice in this situation. You have specifically targeted a particular type of hairstyle and ostracized it as being more likely to have a magical bug infested, as opposed to saying everyone's at risk of getting lice, a magical variant of lice. Um, so I could definitely understand why people were upset with it. Cause I remember reading it initially and being like, Whoa, what? Okay. Um, <laughs> why? Not cool. <laughs> but like I said, the author did go out of her way to go. Oh crap. Yeah. Nope. That was, that was a faux pas on my part. Um, I'm going to hire a sensitivity reader. We've removed it. As you guys have said, it's not there. Um, and then she did with each volume going forward, hire sensitivity readers in order to make sure that she didn't include anything else that she didn't realize was harmful. So does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So going past that, what do you like about this book? Or you know what? Let's do this. Kim, did you like this book? I did. I did. I liked it a lot. Um, 
I found myself thinking about it when I wasn't reading it, which is not something that I generally do with most of the books that we've read. Um, there's been very few that I've, I've other than being pissed off over things. Um, there's very few that I'm like, okay, this character's kind of um, capturing me or the storyline's capturing me. And this is one of them that has. So yeah, I liked it quite a bit. Yeah, I liked it too. Obviously, I, I'm the one who gave it to Sarah to read. I liked it enough that I was like, oh, Sarah will like this. And I passed it along to her. Um, And I like the fact that it is, it is the trope of the adult, of a school setting. But this is very clearly like an adult book in terms of how it's addressing it. Um, and I can say this because at work, it is in the adult book section. We don't put it in our young adult section. We put it in our adult readers. Um, and I like the fact that it, we have this character who, if she wanted to, could just be evil. Like just downright could be evil. It would be easy. It would make life easier for her. Um, but then you have that nurture versus nature kind of situation. And she's been nurtured to not want to give into that. Um, Even that though, she like, physically can't because when it came down to it and she thought that if she had to, it would be a backup. Like she could go full like destruction. Mm -hmm. She couldn't. So it's like, she was just, yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that it's nature whole... versus nurture thing. Yeah. Um, and I just, I, this book, and I, I don't have it in front of me, has one of the best first lines in a book that I have ever read. Um, that, that first line, like, I knew as soon as I read it that I was going to enjoy it. Um, are you pulling You want me to read it? Yeah, I've got yes. it. I decided that Orion needed to die after the first, the second time he saved my life. And then that, like, instantly, yeah. that has to be one of the best first lines. Because I'm like, why does Orion have to die? Why are you responsible for killing him? Why is he saving your life? Like, there are just so many instant questions with that first sentence mm -hmm. that is, like, instantly invested. <laughs> I don't know if you guys got that same feeling. Oh, yeah. It was a good opening. Probably, or did you, I don't remember. Probably, Sarah, like, I don't think about the first line. <laughs> it was like, I, I, I was either intrigued or I was worried. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like, is this one of those books that's just going to be like super dark and like, oh, just, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it because this book does have a very dark setting. It all does. All things considered. But it's like, I don't know. It's dark, but it's not dark, dark. <laughs> I don't Like, it's enjoyable to read. You're not... It's not yeah. like an hour and just like a total downer. It's not the depressing. Time. Everything sucks. Yes. It's not It's depressing. not a depressing mood. It's a dark setting. Yeah. So this this leads me back to Amber talking about the um, book being put into the adult section. And I have the same problem with movies that are rated certain ways in that we're more concerned about or, well, no, because this would be the opposite of movies. Um, in movies, we're more concerned about children seeing sex rather than experiencing violence. Whereas in books, it's like we're less concerned about children reading sex and more concerned about them being exposed to violence. And, and I, I, I don't understand the 
So in this case, I actually don't think it's about the subject of the book, that the reason it's in the adult, I think it's actually the reading level. Um, oh, okay. It does have a higher end reading style. I mean, oh, there were several words I had to look up as I was reading this book. Yeah. And so I think that's what it actually causes it to be in the adult section is it's not content in this case, but it is actually because this would be slightly more challenging, possibly even for teens who are not prolific readers. Um, so I think that is the idea here as to why it's in the adult is it's, I mean, the obvious comparison is Harry Potter. Both got schools. In fact, that's part of what caused this author to write this is because she was like, why does Hogwarts have like no defenses and nothing gets in? And these kids are just over here, you know, doing magic all the time. And so her response to is to write a book where the school was against the students. Um, but when you look at the writing skills and writing level, I would definitely say this is better written. And well, I, yeah, level of writing. I think Rowling, and this is my one defense of J.K. Rowling in, in her writing. This is my one and one and only defense is her books mature. So yes. when you're reading the first book, you're reading at a grade level that meets that age. So the age of the characters, the age of the story, and the age of the reader are all kind of at the same point. And that progresses as you as you read through the series. That's my one defense. It's the one thing where I say J.K. Rowling did something brilliant because I had never seen that in a book before. The book series matures as the characters mature. The writing matures as the characters mature. That's my one defense of Rowling. Um, yeah. Well, this but is this book starting out adult. Oh yeah, yeah. Adult. You're it, it's the writer's a, an advanced writer. Um, this and, and my my overall summation of this book was this is everything Harry Potter should have been because the the stakes that were supposed to be so high in Harry Potter weren't that high. Nothing ever really bad happens until you finally get to the end. Um, I'm trying to think like one monster or something that they have. to Well, fight. yeah, but it's it does it, people don't really die when the monster. I mean, you have these not until the later books and then. It's yeah. It, it, but you have these young children take on a troll when they've not even been taught how to do their magic and they manage to come out of it. Um, so this, uh, yeah. Yeah. And so the stakes aren't really there and that's where this one does a much better job of conveying that people are going to die at all given times. They're, you know, yep. having difficulty just keeping up basic hygiene. There are also social ramifications. No, this book, I, I love the intricacies of it. Mm -hmm. um, any any thoughts on that, Sarah? Any comments you want to make about all of that? Uh, about all of that. Like like the, the, the reading level, the and <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm I'm having a hard time regulating myself these days. Uh so <laughs> anything that was um, said, do you have thoughts? I do agree that the reading level is higher than, is this considered a YA book or? No. I mean, the characters are young. -ish. Yeah. 17. It but... is, let's see here. I love how we just go silent. No, we're going to look this up. Well, then she can always snip that part out. 
I know. <laughs> so there is no recommended reading age for it, which is what usually implies that it is an adult book. Mm, okay. Um, but, you know, I really like her writing style. I also read her Temeraire series with the dragons. Um, I forgot what else y'all were talking about. Uh, um, just like in comparison to like Harry Potter. Oh, well, yes. Harry Potter is a children's book, so it's very simplistic. Um, I feel like she's done a really good job in creating her world and her magical system. system. Um, all the rules of it, the little mouths, um, the maleficers like that concept I it's just you can tell she put a lot of thought and work into developing it mm-hmm. and then yeah I just I enjoyed reading it like going into this the second time I was like I already know what happens so I didn't know if I'd have you know sometimes when you're rereading a book it kind of feels more like a slog mm-hmm. but like the first mm-hmm. time I read the book I really didn't want to stop reading it. So I still had to because it was like a work night or whatever. So I still broke it up into two days. And then with this book, I was not sure. But again, I probably could have read it all in one reading again, because it's just like you start reading and you don't want to stop until you get to the end. Um, and it's funny. It's oddly funny. It's dark. Yes. It's kind of funny. And that's I, I love the voice that she gave Elle. I mean, I love Elle in general, which is pretty unusual for a female character. Like, I can probably count on one hand. In fact, I think I've tried to figure it out before how many female characters I've actually, like, really enjoyed and thought was thought were well-written. And I do believe it comes in under five. Um, Particularly as a main character. Yes, it's not very often that I actually love a female main character, as weird as that sounds, um, in fantasy. It does not sound weird to me, a person who, I know. again, likes five or less of them in all of the books I've read. Yeah, because, um, no, I do very much like Elle. I like how matter-of-fact Elle is. I like her bitterness and yes. her anger. But the fact that even when she does not want to, she still can't stop herself from, like, just doing the right doing the right thing. thing like jesus i'm gonna get di- you know i'm gonna get killed if i do this but fuck i can't let those people die so yeah i, I think the prime example is facing off against the mom mouse yes and she's like this this might actually be the thing that kills me it killed my father this could this could be the thing and i could just turn around and walk away but damn it no my mother's voice says you can't <laughs> what about you kim what are your thoughts on l i really liked her um like you guys i'm very critical of female characters just because i think people have a really hard time writing females for whatever reason um say females have a hard time writing females yeah they do because most of the female characters i don't like are written by female characters in fact Mm -hmm. most of the time when i like a female character it's written by a man and the female character just has more masculine qualities i don't know but it's (laughs) that's a new thing 
But know, you know what? I don't think it is just a you thing. I, I do think that there is a stereotype in writing to make females present as feminine. And, um, and you can be strong and aggressive and be all of these things and be female. But so much of society is, is even women that are strong and aggressive pretending that they're not. And so I think it's hard to write that. And, and people think that the writers, the authors are thinking no one's going to like my female if she doesn't come across as female um, or more feminine. Um, But yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to find a good, well-written strong I, i'm trying to think of i mean even going back to dragon riders of pern <laughs> which is our go-to i i don't particularly care for lessa or lisa no. whatever you call her i i don't because she, she uh again should have been yeah and she should have been a strong strong character and and then she just wasn't because she kind of was in the very very beginning and you fall in love with her and then it's like okay, we'll have babies, sweetheart. You know that's what you want to yeah. do. Yeah, I like Lessa in the beginning, like with her yeah. first books. But then she becomes more of a side character to other characters, and then yeah. she's just like, yeah. No so I, that. yeah, I'm trying to think of of any. There, oddly enough, most of the female characters that I found myself liking lately have been in uh, romance sapphic books. But that tends to be because they have to, they have multiple feminine characters. So there is a nuance to each female character and how they interact with others that I find myself drawn to those female characters because there is an awareness of women where women differ. Um, there aren't always, like there have been a couple that haven't really done that very well. And they, they then becomes a very flat read when both the women sound the same. Um, have you guys read the Bulgarian? The series, I the Bulgarian. It's been a very long time. Yeah, they, there's a there's a female character in that one that I quite like. Um, I'm trying to, yeah, I I can't think of too many female characters that I particularly care for. It's it's that it's I a love, hard like like deeply adore, and I think Elle is one of them. I adore Elle. I also adore. Um, Alice from Malice. I just like the way that rhymed. Not that I was Alice from Malice. Well, and and the book we're reading right that we're coming up on that we're reading right now. Well, some of us are right now. I quite like the female characters in that book too. Yeah, so, um, yeah. <laughs> even though when I selected it, I didn't know the main character was female. I know. <laughs> I was I was not I was happy in that I'm talking about Gideon the ninth Gideon yeah the ninth. <laughs> and I thought Gideon was male um because you know I I told you sapphic necromancers I don't know how many I times I can say sapphic I necromancers <laughs> I don't listen to how you describe books because you use a lot of terminology that just does not register in my ancient brain um so yeah, Sarah looks so excited to be starting Gideon the Ninth soon. You'll like Gideon the Ninth. Have you not read it? Why would you say no. that? Because now I just now you'll hate it. 
<laughs> I it activates the contrarian in me. And don't, don't. Okay, no. I mean, you might like it. I'll, I'll amend. You might like it. I don't. I don't know. I highly recommend. I don't know if you really do this. If you can get a hold of the audiobook, listen to the audiobook while you're reading it. Are you saying Is that the, to me? Yes. Yeah. Oh no, I'm not going to do that. I hate okay. listening to people. The narrator is hilarious, um, <coughs> but we are talking about a deadly education. So, <laughs> any other thoughts on L? Just that she's amazing, and I love her. I do like, and and I can understand why there was criticism towards it. I do like the fact that she is half Welsh and half Indian. Um, I, I just I like that it was an attempt at showing diversity. I like the fact that it then leads us to when she's looking at all of these other people trying to figure out where she fits. And she really does struggle with, okay, looking at me, I should be able to interact with the Mumbai crowd, but they want nothing to do with me. You know, I don't really, I can't really fit in with the London crowd because I'm Welsh, not London, and they don't want anything to do with me in the sense that it's not just because there's something off about her but who she is creates a struggle as well. Um, so I kind of liked adding that extra level of complexity. Complexity. Complexity, complexity uh, to <laughs> her social standing. I'm, I'm having a really hard time, people. Just please be it's all right. with me. <laughs> I, um, I, found, I, I found that aspect of the book interesting. The, 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 the whole breaking off the enclaves as it's referred to in the book and and it being based on where you're from and all of that i found it interesting but kind of um superficial which is unfortunate because the rest of the book is so in depth and it i i don't know i so this is gonna sound really weird um I did not find it superficial. In fact, I found it to be quite accurate. Uh, for those of people who are going, Amberly, you've never been in a magical school where you had to rely on an enclave. No, I have not. However, I did grow up in a military school where we had students coming from various locations around Europe and the Middle East who were staying at the dorms and living together. And there was a certain level of clicking based off of where you're from, even, even for the military day students where you were born and raised if you were from a particular region in the united states tended to favor who you would interact with because you did have certain cultural and social norms and family traditions that made it easier for you to interact with those people um and so for a lot of uh, so there was that level of clicking just based off of where you're from and then there were individuals like me where we had not lived more than three years in any location and that struggle to actually form those connections based off of where you're from because you don't have that plus I was a kind of a weird outlier in the fact that I'm from the northwest where I was born and oddly enough in the military at least in the 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 high school there weren't tons of people who were from Washington Oregon California, which is why you ended California. up with the Canadians. Yeah. yeah, which is why I ended up with the Canadians. Um, <laughs> so I actually found, well, maybe the book kind of glosses over and kind of just lays it out for us. It is still actually oddly accurate to how 
you send a bunch of teens from various locations and throw them together and that's how they tend to find their connections at least initially i'm just curious as to what you mean by you find like which what aspect of the enclaves did you find as being superficial not oh i'm assuming she's talking to me so you hush yes okay talky talky Um, you know what? I think the thing I found the most superficial about it was, um, when Elle was a child and went to India and then the family kind of just freaked out because she was inherently evil, I guess is the way to phrase it. And then, I don't know, it just kind of, maybe it's because her father's not in the picture at all and he is the one that is indian maybe it's 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 that i don't know it just it came across as superficial and and um like her experiences with the enclave or the concept of the enclave is superficial maybe because she's not really dealing with the enclaves yet because she's kind of fighting that whole enclave thing she's only have an outsider perspective on them anyway yeah maybe that's it i don't know however to be fair what you're saying is like it feels off to you kim that that is where a lot of that criticism comes from is is the fact that her interactions with her father's family were not given a lot of depth or detail to it we're just told oh there was a prophecy and they freaked out um and for a lot of people they're like okay wh- why that just seems like you're trying to avoid having to discuss indian culture so that that is where I love it. I fucking love it though, because here's what would have happened if she had tried to research, talk about Indian culture. Any she would have been ridiculed. Like, yeah, this is not accurate to me. So you obviously yeah. shouldn't even be talking about this shit. You should have made her white. And it's like if your complaints are basically like anytime someone tries to include even a little bit of diversity, if your complaints and you're just hounding them because it's never going to be perfect. If it's perfect for you, it's not going to be perfect for someone else, right? Mm-hmm ultimately you're just pushing diversity out like if your end not goal but if your end result of what you're doing is the same as what the races want it's like i just so i understand people want to criticize because they're just never happy but at the same time all this fucking criticism the minute you try to have any sort of diverse character in the picture it's like shut the fuck up just shut the fuck up if the character is not just being like absurdly racist and it's just a small detail. I just, I don't know. Well, I agree with you 100%. I agree with what you're saying 100%. And, and that's, that's why at the very beginning, I wanted to say she has hired sensitivity readers um, because that is a great way if you are not of that culture. Because even, even POCs who are writing of away from their own culture have been facing backlash of that's not my experience. So the, the answer to that is to specifically hire uh, what are being called sensitivity readers. So someone of that culture, of that background, so they can come in and say, oh, you know, you really should rethink this or um, you might find some problems with that so that you're at least aware and can decide which ones you can address and which ones you really can't. Um, and that's the best way when you are writing a not your race um, to kind of get some input to make sure you're not like, massively stomping on feet as opposed to like maybe tapping on toes yeah like yeah toes are always going to get tapped i mean i've seen poc authors back when i was on twitter um like a poc author was complaining because like they were writing a character with their own experiences 
but because they are, they were black and they like basketball. So they wrote a character that was black and like basketball. Suddenly they were writing stereotypes and it's like, yeah, I just want to write a story with a character like me. Like, yeah. Yeah. And yet. Yeah, no, it, it is. It, it, it's a fraught situation where you, as a writer, you're just, you got to do the best you can. And I, and I agree with the sensitivity readers thing. Um, only because you might write something very specific. Um, so I'm going to give an example and I really want people to understand I'm not being racist, which I know is the worst thing to say. So I referred to my children and my grandchild as monsters. I would say you little monster, you little monster, you little monster. And for some cultures, that is a horrible thing to say. And, um, have they met your children? but see here's the thing here's the thing i never would refer to somebody else's child as a monster never um but where i discovered that some cultures don't like that terminology was because somebody else had referred to somebody else's child as a monster and it was just like you know all hell broke loose um and fully acknowledged that it's within our family that we refer to a child as a monster um and i would never call somebody else's child a monster and if i was to write that into a story i would make sure that the character that was referring to their child as a monster was a white character and i would not have it be a person of color referring to a child as a monster because i know that there are cultures of of color that do not like that terminology because it is something that they have dealt with throughout history as and and been I mean, so referred to themselves. Yeah, yeah. And and so and that's that's where when you have a sensitivity reader, that's what they're going for. They're gonna they're gonna see those things that as a, per, a white person that is just a normal thing for me to do. Um and go, uh no, this 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 is stepping onto something you shouldn't, as Amber put it, toes and whether you're stomping on toes or just tapping, tapping on, on toes. Them. Yeah. It's <laughs> so I think the sensitive sensitivity readers are a good, good thing. And, and I think it will go forward from here on out. Most authors, unless they're doing self-publishing and cannot afford it, will hire sensitive sensitivity readers. And I think just to get thing. those little bits, things out. And I, I think that's the key thing. Sensitivity readers should be hired. They should be being paid to provide you input from their cultural experience. It shouldn't be a, oh yeah, I, you know, I, I have a friend. So I had them read through it and, you know, they're, they're a person of color. So like, they're my sensitivity reader. No. If you are asking a service or goods from someone else, particularly when it comes to cultural things, there should be a monetary value to the information they are giving you. So I'm just right. Well, you're paying you're you're paying them to ridicule what you've done. Yeah. Or critique. We'll say critique yeah. and not ridicule, although they're you know pretty much synonymous. Um, whereas if you ask your friend to do it, it's it's just like anytime you write, don't ask your friends to critique your writing. Um, it's very hard for friends to say, "Oh, that really sucked." Um, yeah. You know, occasionally you can find a good friend that that understands that you want what you're writing torn apart, 
um, and you're not going to be offended by it and it's not going to end the friendship, but that's very, very rare. Very yeah. rare. Anyways, back to the book. <laughs> so we've discussed L. What about Orion? What did you guys think of Orion, Kim? Um, you know, at first I was like, Orion is ir- irritating because he is the quintessential superhero and he's just, you know, bounding into every scene and, you know, then you discover that he's gaining power by doing what he's doing. He, he is, he is doing what is his, what it, how does she phrase it? Frack. I was thinking about this. Yeah. That is his uh, affinity or affinity, affinity. Is that what you just said? Yeah. 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 Um, and I love the way the author pulled that out. It, it took a while before you realize, oh, there's a reason why he's being this overbearing jackass. Um, but whilst never him. being a jackass, you know, he was always just, he's just a good guy. Um, and socially awkward. Socially awkward. But, but you don't know in the beginning that he's socially awkward. I I really like the way Orion was was played out in this book and, and the fact that... Oh. I got pretty on that there was some weird like social awkwardness going on with him like constantly following her. Um, but I, oh, I thought it was love, pretty obvious like, he just he wanted to be in a relationship with her. But um. but that's the thing is I don't think that he initially like I don't know that he necessarily wanted to be in a relationship with her or if he really thought like he got to that point where he was like oh this is a relationship yeah I do want this. Like oh, see, I think I think he wanted a relationship with her as soon as he went in and, and tried to kill the, the initial monster that we've, we've come across. And she's like not fawning over him. And he's like, yeah, I want that because that's not anything I've encountered ever anywhere. I don't quite think it would have started that early, though, because he thought he, she was a Maleficer for a little while because he thought yeah. she was Louisa. I think that was, for me, that was more him going, wait a minute, I don't want to be, I don't want to be attracted to this person who is bad, doing bad things. Yeah, Yeah. anyway, I I like Orion. I like Orion, but again, for me, it was very much like, because, and it's interesting, because obviously we aren't getting anything really from his perspective. We have very much specifically, our narrator is Elle. So everything we learn is based off of her perception. And she's shocked at the end when he's like, well, yeah, I'll, I want to be in a relationship if you want to be in a relationship. But like, if you don't want to be in a relationship, I just want to be friends. And that's where I think that like, on some level, he when he said that, I was like, he was not trying to get into a relationship. But now that people have talked about it enough and he's thought about it, it's been like, yeah, you know, if I was to pick someone, this would be the person I'd pick. So like, I'm cool if you're down. <laughs> And I've been yeah. in that situation before where I've had friends like, like, oh my God, you know, you should be in a relationship with so-and-so. And I'm like, I not really thought about it. And then they keep discussing it. And it's like, oh, well, I guess maybe, but like only if they are interested, if they're not interested, then I'm not interested. But like, if they're interested, then I'm possibly interested. Like I could totally get Ryan's take on this. I was, I, I could understand. <laughs> Uh, what about you, Sarah? What did you think of their, like, relationship? I I really like that aspect of the book, actually. I like how throughout the whole, most of the book, Elle is, like, trying to 
use his like the misunderstanding that the school seems to think that they're dating she's trying to use that to her advantage at least you know probably in like the middle part because by near the end she doesn't really care about it as much but yeah. like trying to use that and she doesn't want him to find out that people think they're dating because she knows that he will correct them um and so this whole time they're just like hanging out and she's not really doing anything to disabuse him of this notion or to like not disabuse him of the notion because he doesn't necessarily have the notion or at least she didn't think he had the notion and then finally you get to the end of like the mortal flame scene and he's yeah. trying to hold her hand because he thinks they're gonna die and she's just like and, she and she's like, will you let go? I, I got to save us here. Back the fuck off. It's like, wait, we have been dating this whole time? And she didn't know it. I just. I yeah. That. I love that part. I love that oh, scene. Oh, man. It was, that yeah, scene in the mall are like my scene. favorite scenes. I also like. Uh, da, da, da. I like her interactions with Lou and I'm going to say the name wrong. Uh, uh, Ada? I always said Adaya. I don't know how to pronounce her name. Yeah, Adaya works. Uh, the artificer. I was listening to the audiobook, but like, it's, it's going to sound really weird. It's spelled really closely to uh, the word for help in Spanish. Ayuda? Yeah, so I, I can't. I don't know what if I, what I'm seeing in my brain is the spelling for her name or if I'm actually seeing the spelling for the word help. <laughs> so I'm, I'm having weird me issues on that one. But yeah, I really liked their friendship development as well. Um, I think that was actually one of my favorite parts of the entire thing is how those three became allies and friends. Um, yeah because you get the sense that as much as Elle thinks she's this massive like outsider it really is that she does have friendships she just wasn't opening herself up to people and everyone else is doing the exact same thing she is which is just trying to find the right way to survive um so I loved all of these accidental relationships friendships that she ended up in when she stopped trying to actively think about them. I agree. I liked those three um, coming together as, as a unit. Um, I'm looking forward to the next book to see how that, that trio builds out in, and who else gets to, gets to come in as they, I'm, I'm kind of hoping they're ultimately we're blowing up the enclaves, um, but I don't know if we're going to go there. If we're blowing up the enclaves, if we're blowing up the school, something something's coming. Um, and I'm I'm looking forward to finding out what it is. You two have read. It's not fair. Cheaters. We have read, read the, the last book. book. <laughs> we have read the last graduate. We, we have not, not read the third book. As okay. As this was a possible idea, I I forced Sarah not to read it. I said, we might be doing this. If this is going to be your pick, you cannot read the third one. I've yeah, not read yeah. the third you one. What, happened? what? You what? got I it? Request, I had requested the third book from my library like months and months and months ago. And it 
And for me, it's like, oh, I'm going to do this. And just at that moment, the book that I had requested finally became available. So I had the golden enclaves in my hands and I had to turn it in without rereading or without reading it at all. You could have, there, there was another way to go about this, not choose this series. Then you could have read the book as soon as you wanted to. I didn't have a backup series because again, my other one got shot down. So what was I going to do? There are numerous trilogies, trilogies out there. Turn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when Amber came back with your book is actually your your series is actually four. I'm like, fine, it's gonna be the Lord of the Rings. That's the only trilogy I can think of. <laughs> and do we really want to do the Lord of the Rings? <laughs> I said, no, no, no. There's only three books out. We can do the lock tomes. It does give you a slight handicap. Yeah, it's all right. But but we can do it. <laughs> Mostly because I wanted an excuse to force Sarah to read the lock tomes. Uh... That's the, the Gideon. One, Gideon the Ninth. I mean, you'd already lent me the book, so I was going to have to read it eventually. <laughs> I know, but like force you to like discuss it and read it. Uh, having Kim pick it as her only trilogy to... option. Because I'm a cruel human being who likes to watch others suffer. We do. We enjoy that sort of thing. <laughs> oh, I hadn't lumped us as a we, but I guess we're a we. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so did you, and, and Kim knew this because her and I had this, uh, this discussion, Sarah, did you know that the scholomance is actually a thing? No. So it is actually a folk tale from Romania that there huh? was a magical school of dark arts that 11 students are selected to participate in, in the folktale, um, and only one of them survives. Hmm. And they become the penultimate dark arts master at that point. So I hadn't realized that reading it, but then I was doing the research to prep for it. And Kim had said something and I decided to look it up and discovered that, yeah, it is. Oh. A, an actual like there is inspiration behind this she did look at much like her other books look at a folktale or folklore and use that for the inspiration as to why she wrote it oh okay yeah that's interesting i would have just assumed it was like a you know looking at harry potter and doing something different but with kind of that concept of a magical school which which that is accredited inspiration as well as is looking at the failures of hogwarts um, so that's that's my other theory on how this is all going about is this has been a long con, um, not talking about the folktale, but the, the book, this has been a long con by the original creators of the Scholomance. Instead of all of these people fighting against each other, they're actually supposed to be working together to get through the school, but they, they, they're all in such desperate straits the entire time that they're in the school that they can't figure out how to come together to work together. <laughs> But anyway, that's just one of my theories about how this story's <laughs> yeah. playing out. I feel like they might have done that in the beginning, but at the point that you get there with Elle, it's like, I think, because I don't know, I feel like the author doesn't really address why they never actually try that, other than the fact that she emphasizes how much people are all in it for themselves or the enclaves are in it for themselves. So it's like someone goes down you know, yeah. everything falls apart. They can't actually work together that well. And, and there's the fact that what we're interacting with is 
is almost like the third or fourth iteration of the school. While it is the same school, the original school was for the enclave kids to survive. Yep. Then that didn't quite work and they didn't like that. So then they brought in the outsiders, but they don't want outside magical kids to survive better than the enclavers. And so they're, and they're, so they're teaching them to be dependent on the enclavers in order to survive yeah. so that they can then become the, their support. Yeah. They're, their support yeah. in, in real life. They're, they're, yeah. they, they become their blue collar workers where, so the enclave kids all get to stay up in the, in the ritzy yeah. world. Yeah. And then there is also the fact that the concept of the school versus the reality of how it functions, which is like anything in life. We all get these grand ideas of how society can function, how a system can work, but then we don't think about what when it breaks, when it doesn't function, where are the funds coming from, who's going to do the repairs, how often do they have to repair it, that sort How of many thing. of their repairers die when they try to go in and yeah. repair things? <laughs> um, so then by the time Elle's here, she is working against what was school that was originally for enclavers, a school that has created a insider-outsider kind of clicky kind of perception um you then have a school that isn't functioning in its ideal capacity oh oh and then we have all of the the political structures of different countries all in the same school and those enclaves vying for power which means their children are also vying for power because those future dynamics will have an effect in the outside world so, yeah, it, it's the idea that we don't live in a bubble. <laughs> Even when these kids are literally stuck in a void bubble situation, they aren't really in a bubble. That's my rant. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like it. I like how complex and like nuanced it is. It isn't just like one singular, I don't know, concept. Yeah, no. It's, um, yeah. There's a lot of layers there. There are. It's like an <laughs> onion. Arthur. And it folds around. And, and, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. That was that was terrible. That wasn't very descriptive for a podcast. Um, I was I was referring to the structure of the school, <laughs> of the school. and how it's layered and then it drops <laughs> and then down and then and then it yeah. resets itself. Yeah. And I knew that's what she meant. Just uh -huh. she yeah, is we've, my mother. <laughs> we've known each other for a few years. <laughs> so i knew she was making the connection to the literal structure of the school yep and not me talking about onions <laughs> i think that's the other thing that i find um in going back to this harry potter comparison because i think it's inevitable just because yeah. of the the two books um when rowling first wrote harry potter she wanted everything because she's a racist um, she wanted everything to be British, just mm -hmm. blatantly British, but she never until it got to the end and she, and everyone's like, wait a minute, why aren't there kids from other countries going to the school? Are, are only British kids magical? What, what is the deal? And so then she makes up these other schools in these other countries and it, it doesn't. And and let, let's be fair, like, let's let's really layer this on. She didn't want it to just be British, white British. Oh, yeah. White British. Yeah. Um, the British experience that she's writing is not the same British experience for someone who is of Indian descent or who is an immigrant. Black in, in, or yeah. An immigrant. 
fact or you yeah. know yeah so yes harry potter lives in a in a bubble in her bubble um and while it did wonderful things for the reading community in terms of inspiring a generation of readers it is phobic to the extreme whether it be phobic due to race gender sexuality what have you those books are unequivocally phobic and these books feel like they are trying trying hard not to be trying to consider all of those elements even if it is we are looking at a white author trying to consider them but even if it even if the author wasn't going for that specifically and was just saying let's acknowledge the fact that if you're gonna have a magical school you you can't pretend that it's only for a particular country this has got to be something that exists that the 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 society is the magical society not in in the case of harry potter the british society um and so you're gonna have to interact um so Mm -hmm. i i think the author did a really good job of of saying hey this failed miserably in the harry potter books let's acknowledge the fact that if we have a magical world if we have magical people they exist everywhere not just where i'm writing this little story at um so yeah i also this is really random i also love the fact that for novak she recognized the fact that the asian chinese culture within the school is going to be equal to the english like english speaking population because she says there are two tracks mandarin or english and that's because you just look at the number of people on the planet and you even if you reduce the number of people who had then have magic just by ratio alone you were still going to have an equal number of english speakers and another country being just as predominant if not that other country potentially being more predominant given on their population numbers so the fact that she's like yeah the two main tracks are mandarin or english i thought was you know instead of saying everyone has to speak english everyone just magically knows that they have to speak english um, i appreciated that and the fact that there was a portion of the rescue crew who couldn't they couldn't even talk to the artificers who were fixing the machine is they're stuck in the graduation hall because none of them spoke english <laughs> but they had to rely on them for help yep i'm imagining that's what it's like in the space station on occasion if you if you were in a space station with people and they didn't all speak english and something breaks and you have to just trust that the other astronaut is doing what you need them to do because you can't <laughs> easily communicate so... To address that, it, uh, the universal language of the International Space Station is English. I I know, but I'm like... So they all come in speaking English. I know they all come in speaking English. I'm still like... Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I do like the language component, though. In the, I do. In the I, I did, too. And like the whole incantations thing where you can have a bunch mm-hmm. of different spells in a bunch of different languages and you can trade them. And it's just... Um, and so everyone's like, or the incanters are learning like four or five, six different languages. But then if they accidentally read another language too much, the school just starts forcing, making, them, that forcing them to learn that one. Yeah. And then you could accidentally get it come out of the void and and, and suddenly you glance at it. Oh, no, I can't look at that because I, I don't have the time to have to learn that language right now. Yeah. yeah. Nope. And, and the fact that it's not just a straight translation over. 
you can't just take a uh, Mandarin spell and translate it to English and it suddenly magically works the same. Yep. I loved that. The fact that uh, Lou, uh, Lou ha- is redoing her mother's song and she has to be very careful because it may not work the same even though she's trying to change it into English so it will work for them. Um, because yeah. if she does it wrong, it completely and utterly changes the component of the, of the song itself. Um, so I did like that, that a recognition that things aren't just like, you don't just swap the words over and it suddenly makes sense. <laughs> because we all learned from Google Translator that it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is this is a really good book. I, I, I was actually disappointed that we had to move on to another book um, or another series. I was ready to read the next one. And then I'm like, eh, yeah, it's not that far down the list. We'll get there quick enough. So... Okay. Yeah, but she won't have to wait like a year like we have. I haven't had to wait that long, but or have I? (laughs) It just it just ends very abruptly on like a very large cliffhanger. It does. The second book does? The second book does? Oh, okay. Yeah. Ah, You guys have had to wait. I'm so excited. Uh, I went to the 50% off uh, Barnes & Noble book thing and I got the last copy on the shelf they had for the hardcover for the Golden Enclaves so, and Known in the Night. So I was like, yes, give me these 50% off. I have them. They are hardcover. And it was the last one. <laughs> well, I didn't know there was a 50% off sale. Yeah, Boxing Day. That's cool. I'm the day sorry, after. I'm supposed to tell you. Christmas. Well, not if it's in-store only because I don't have any local Barnes and Nobles. It was in-store and on the website. It might still be on the website. They might have extended it. Let me see here. Oh, look. I do need the Golden Enclaves since I had to turn in my copy. I know. That's the only reason why I'm looking real quick for you. Because it, I think it was listed on there. Oh, did their site crash again? Okay, here we go. They are still advertising it on Barnes and Noble. Yeah, fifty percent off thousands of hardcover books online and in stores. Let me check to see if the Golden Enclaves is part of that. I'll just sit here by my computer. No, they're not. not unfortunately, <laughs> the Golden Enclaves—they aren't listing on the website as fifty percent off. Um, it's twenty-four dollars okay. instead of twenty-eight dollars. Four dollars off of twenty-eight. I don't the steal. Okay. <laughs> okay. So you guys ready to move into the ratings? I also just want to point out because I forgot to mention it earlier when we were asked talking about Orion, but I feel like in a more regular book, he would have been like the main character or the point of view. Yeah. Yeah. The main character who can just magically kill any monster. Um, you mean he would have been the Harry Potter? Yeah, pretty much. Yep. No. So I also appreciated that element. And Elle was yeah. just been the weird girl that he was suspicious about and then not suspicious about <laughs> in the meantime. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I I like that. I like that twist on it, that change on it. Um Well, I like the fact refreshing. Yeah, I like the fact that these two are very likely two sides of one coin because 
she is exceedingly powerful, but she can't use her power because she would destroy everything around her if she used her power. But with him, if she if they work in conjunction together, he can provide her the power she needs with her not having to destroy everything around her. Um, I know they haven't quite got there yet, but I think it's it's pretty clear that they're going to figure that out, that that we, they could be quite a force between the two of them. We shall neither confirm nor deny. Uh- <laughs> I, will say, I will say, though, that that is another thing that I forgot that I always found hilarious is just that, like, she can't go... She can't do anything without just like stumbling over some horrific spell. Yeah. Like, horrendous consequences. Like, yeah. The standard cleaning spell. She just gets like yep. a oh, volcano and stuff. Oh, yeah. I'm going to blow yeah. it up. That, that'll fix your problem. Um, yeah. I will say, from a mother's perspective, I love the mother, even though we really don't ever actually interact with her, but she saw what she had. And knew what she had to do to raise that. And having one or two children that are kind of um, socially aggressive, <laughs> having to guide them through um, their childhood. You don't and to that at all. No, no. I, 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 I appreciate this mother. She, she did what she had to do to teach this child that could very easily have just sucked up the energy around her and not given two shits about anything um teaching her how to have empathy um yeah like (laughs) animals and stuff like yeah yeah amber's laughing because she knows exactly which one of her siblings i'm talking about um and teaching that particular child empathy teaching a child empathy is a really hard thing to do it's really hard and social awareness and social awareness it's it's a difficult thing as a parent to do when you when you have this young child that doesn't respond to stimuli the same way you know your normal child falls down and hurts their knees they want to get a cuddle in and and you know they want to feel better that way um when you have one that doesn't want that and they shove you away when they're in pain um that's hard it's hard to because you just want to cuddle them and make them better and and you can't because that is not what they want and their response is they want to headbutt you yeah headbutt you <laughs> knock you out I didn't actually pass out. So, um, but, (laughs) but um, so no, I, I really appreciate that, that component written into that story, even though we never get the mom, but, and I like the fact that that Elle actually recognizes it now that she's at that period in her development. She recognizes the fact that her mother um, worked her ass off to train her to not murder everything around her in order to get what she wanted. Well, okay, so that made me think of it. We hadn't addressed it yet. The freaking ending. The note from her mom telling her to keep away from Orion. Yeah. Who knows? I remember, remember, and I think that's why I love that first sentence. Is because we get that first sentence and it's, Elle wants to kill him. And we get that very last bit and it's, whatever you do, stay away from Orion. It's like, what the fuck? is special about Orion. I started this ass out, this ass, I started this ass out. <laughs> I started this out wondering what's why must we want to kill Orion? And I'm like, now I want to know why must we avoid Orion? Yeah. <laughs> like he's, 
this nuclear center to her catal- catalyst and she doesn't know why and we as a reader then don't know why because she doesn't she doesn't know what keeps drawing them together so i love that 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 yeah um well i think you kind of hit it when you said the nuclear center and all of that i think he's the battery to her bomb so um <laughs> would be interesting we are coming up with quite some amazing sayings here <laughs> the battery to her bomb tapping on toes <laughs> but anyway so yeah that's the other aspect of this book that i really related to and really understood and, and appreciated is the fact that it's hard to raise, raise a child that doesn't fit in normal society expectations expectations normal society interactions with people yeah it's that's it's a difficult process Okay, so are we ready to go into our new rating system here? Yep. Okay, so this is the first time that we are rating our books, so I'm going to do a quick breakdown. We have determined five key categories that each book is going to get a number between one and five assigned to, as always, one being the lowest, five being the highest. There are five categories, so each book has a chance to get up to 25 points from each of us. And then each of the series has a chance of getting from each of us 75 points in total. We'll then have a ranking system. Obviously, this is the first book, so it's going to be number one for now until we start to add more books in. So I am going to help my cohorts out here by doing a screen share so they can see while I put in their numbers and we talk about it. So our first one is theme or plot. And I can't remember, I had given you guys questions. Did you? But you have three of these, one for each of us? Yeah, yeah. Rather than just one. You, you can't see it down at the ah, bottom. Ah, 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 ah. I see, I see, I see. You did okay. tag. Go ahead, stop. I did. I each has their you own. know, if you hand this to your dad, he could link these so that we have an over. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Good. Okay. <laughs> so when it came to theme or thought. The kind of key questions that I gave my cohorts is, do you like the theme? Is the plot easy to follow, enjoyable? So, Kim. Stop. Sorry, I had to deal with my dog. No worries. What was your scoring for theme or plot? Uh, My scoring for theme or plot, I gave it a four. Okay. Stay down. Sarah, what did you give it? What was the point system again? One through five, five being the highest. Five. five. Okay. So you gave it a five. And I gave it a five as well. I, I think it was solid on theme and plot. So then we have characters. And kind of the key things with characters is does the main character engage and interest you? And do any of the secondary characters interest you worth caring about? So when you're looking at characters, you can be looking at both or either or. That's each individual's preference. So, Sarah, what would you rate your, what points would you give it for characters? Shit, I just totally, I was listening, but I also just totally blanked out the entire time you were talking about what the characters meant. Again, could you repeat that, please? And I'll try to pay attention. Do the main characters engage and interest you? Oh, yeah, five. Well, there was another one. Do any of the well, secondary I'm... characters interest you worth caring about? Yeah, I liked the secondary characters, but mostly I okay. really liked Elle, so got five. A bit of five. Okay, Kim? 
five. Five. Okay. And I gave it a four. I can't remember why I took a point off, but I didn't. It wasn't quite a, a five for me. Pettiness. <laughs> Pettiness. <laughs> Yeah, I secretly went, I don't want Sarah to win on her book, so I'm going to take points off for meaningless <laughs> topics. No. Okay. Uh, satisfying ending. And this has a two-part to it. Does it fulfill Kim's need to have a clear ending by the book story? And then also, is there any cliffhangers worthy of making you read on? So, Sarah, what would you give the ending? I mean, I would give it a five. Okay. Kim? I also gave it a five. It clearly had a distinctive story that was written within this book alone, but there is clearly an overarching story that is going to extend past this book into the next two books. Um, so, yeah. This writer knows what the fuck they're doing. Okay. I, too, gave it a five. All right. So then we have good mechanics. And good mechanics means do all elements of the story work well together? Sarah. Sarah. I mean, I feel like... People are going to think that I'm just giving it a five because it's my book and not because I really <laughs> like the book and that I did really like the mechanics of the book, but I did. And okay. I think it all worked really, really well. So I can make it a five. Okay. And I'm just going to get accused of favoritism to my own book. But that's why we have individual books and we're all each rating them. So, Kim. I don't know why specifically, but I gave it a four when I when I wrote this out originally. So I'm going to stick with my four. Um, I think if if I'm going to remember, it's it's because everything is just um, thrown at you. You don't get a lot of explanation as to what it means as you're reading it. You kind of have to, and it and it gets pretty deep into the book before it it really fleshes out is, oh, okay, this is, this is what's, what's happening. I, I'm not explaining it well. I apologize. But, um, so I too gave it a four. And if I, if we were to treat this in terms of good mechanics, if we were to treat this, if it was its own book, I feel like there are certain elements that we're not given enough detail about, um, that we have to just kind of trust or like like the enclave example is is there's kind of some information that we're not that's a little bit superficial that I would have liked to better understand in the process of this first book. I suspect over the trilogy the mechanics will improve, but it this first book there's still some rough spots um where it's it's just clearly the first book. There's just there's something slightly off about it. Not like horrifically off, but their their mechanics are kind of not quite as pristine as if it were a standalone. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So then, then our final one is unpredictability. And that is, is it, is the story for you unpredictable? And is it unpredictable in a good way or a not good way? So 
what would you score at Sarah for unpredictability? I mean, since I've read this before in the next book, it's hard for me to remember. I just, I think I would give it a five because I never really knew 100% where it was going. So everything was always like a pleasant, like, not shocking as in like this is poorly written and wasn't set up properly. Yeah. But I also, Which is why like, I even if I that... had an idea of what was going to happen, it wasn't like set in stone or like, oh, this is so obvious that this is going to happen or whatever. So I, yeah, I still give it a five, which I think you already put down for me. Yep. Which is what I meant. That's why I clarified a good unpredictable versus not good, not good predictable. Like where they just throw in a twist for no reason other than shock value. I hate those. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's why I did clarify that as something to consider when you're scoring it is, is, is it pleasant? Is it enjoyable? Or does the unpredictability not come off as enjoyable? So Kim, what about you? I did a three on this one. Um, I didn't find anything overly surprising, meaning I I was able to project where the story was going. Um, okay. As the characters were making decisions and whatnot, I um, I, I like I knew she was going to end up with teaming up with the the two other girls. I knew that her and Orion were going to end up where they ended up. Um, so yeah, it 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 kind of went average for me on that but i am also really good at predicting where books are going so so i gave it a five and that's because i think the concept as a whole is unpredictable it's not i mean we've talked about this would normally be from orion's point of view um she normally wouldn't have to suppress her powers because she would be just you know big evil the concept as a whole is unpredictable which means when it follows those predictable things, it makes it really, it made it really pleasant for me. I was very engaged, very excited. So I very much gave it a five. I thought it was a good balance of unpredictable to predictable um, for myself. So that means currently Sarah has given this one 25 out of 25. Woohoo! To be expected, it is her pick. She picked it for a reason. Then I come in with the next highest scoring on this with 23 out of 25. And then Kim comes in with a 21 out of 25. So this is going to be really interesting. If we end up scoring all of these books so high, I suspect there's going to be a very, very, very narrow margin of these books. Um, And it may just come down to personal preferences and whether someone picks a preference that the other two just don't enjoy. (laughs) <laughs> well, I like the fact, I think we, we didn't pick um, books that are, I don't know. I think we picked higher end books for this, yes. this thing. We, we've read some books that are um, not <laughs> higher end books. Um, and so, you know, I'm the only one at a disadvantage here in that I've not read any of these books before. And and you have both read at least because Sarah has not read the Poppy War, right? Sarah has or not read Gideon the Poppy the War or Gideon, or Gideon the Ninth, but I've you read the Shoulder Man. I've read the first Man. two books of my series. Right. Okay. Yeah. 
I've not, I'm the one coming in at the biggest disadvantage. I've not read The Poppy War. I picked it knowing I've not read it. Oh, I did not know that. I thought you had read it. Yeah. Nope. Okay. I came in with, I, so you came in with the handicap of yours is actually four books, but we're only going based off of the three that are currently out. And I came in with the handicap that I am picking the Poppy Wars purely based on uh, reception that I have seen throughout social media on it and its reviews. Um, but I you've read the read author it. before. No. Oh, okay. No, cool. she hasn't read Babel either. So, yeah. Uh, so I, Babel. I, I very much came in. I thought of whether or not I needed to give myself that kind of, you know, unpredictability which meant that i needed to pick something that i having read your guys's i don't know how it how they stand up and i've only read gideon the ninth i stopped tarot the ninth as soon as we decided we were doing this okay so it should be interesting um so now to our do we want to include our basic ratings that we normally do or do we want to just kind of start to end here i think leave it here okay uh did anyone have any quotes from this just the one that you you already mentioned. The, the Just first a, line. No, 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 no. I gotta wake up my book. It always goes to sleep while I'm talking. It's like there were a lot of lines that I liked, but out Nothing of context, they don't necessarily work as well. And yeah. Okay. So. I'm I here. He says, are you just trying to be dense? He glared at me, but I glared right back indignantly. And then in the tones of someone speaking to a dim pony, he said, I'd want to. If you want, I want. And if you don't want, then I don't want. And then she, she says in response, that's a general idea of a thing. I said, getting a wary all over again. That sounded alarmingly like alarmingly like he did want to. Otherwise, it's just stalking. Are you asking? <laughs> I loved that interchange. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was so great. It was so awkward. <laughs> yeah. Alrighty. So the next book that we are reading is Gideon the Ninth. That will be the next first book that's up. Um, and we will be returning with the last graduate at the beginning of February, I think. She said suddenly, very not sure. <laughs> Banter at podbean.com. Go all the way down to the bottom. Scroll, 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 scroll. Yes, we will be back with the last graduate on February 7th. So you can read ahead, you can hold out, you can join us with Gideon the Ninth. You, as listener, get to decide. <laughs> and on that note, our intro and outro music is by Grant Newman and is called The Battle of the Nile from Epidemic Sound. Don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe to Bookpile Banter on Spotify, Amazon Music, iTunes, or whichever platform you listen to your podcasts. We'd love to hear from you on any of our social media platforms, such as Instagram or TikTok. You can find us at book underscore pile underscore banter. You can support us on bookshop.org. Our link is available via our social media. You can email us at bookpilebanter at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you.